Hello, Internet. Welcome back to Movie Show Theater for what I hope to be our most masculine episode to date. I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Ben, and I'm highly masculine. He is. He's highly masculine. This is, why don't we call it the testosterone episode? Because, Ooh, that's good. Because of how they kind of rhyme with each other. Well, we're also going to come up with Corleone, testosterone. Cor- Cor- yeah, Corleone, Corleone testosterone. testosterone. There you go, yeah. So gangster name. Be Ben's, uh, maybe that'll be Ben's gangster name. Benny Testosterone. Mine is Jimmy Cheese. Because it sounds like a cast member from Goodfellas. It does. Yeah. What? How? Yeah. Speaking of which, where do they come up with those names? I, I mean, seriously. So you know it's going to be a good episode Two because stakes. we haven't even gone to the intro yet. This is who we are, and this is Movie Show Theater. In a world where movies are everywhere, these heroes will make sense of some of the world's strongest films. Jimmy, Ben, and Stuart. This is Movie Show Theater. Alright, so, uh, I can't remember who came up with the idea for doing this episode, but it's really... I think really, it's probably Ben. It might have been. I, I don't know. If, I don't think this one... Unless it was like... Well, I, I think I, it was either me or you. I can't I remember. Remember, it me. I remember I came up with two documents, and the most recent one has a bunch of ideas, but I don't think this is my idea. I think it was I, yours, Jimmy. I, oh, you know what it was? I thought either Goodfellas or Casino, and this was a much better idea. I remember you saying Oh, Godfather and Goodfellas versus yeah. Casino and Goodfellas? Correct. You know what? That, oh, that yeah. Sounds Far right better because idea. I, yeah. I think you sent me a document, too, and it did have Casino no, and Goodfellas. I, I, yeah. Because I Casino is good. Casino came out before Goodfellas, yeah. and Scorsese said that he would was going to swear off the mobster film genre. Um and then getting off read, where he couldn't refuse? Yeah, right? Oh! <laughs> and it was on his daughter's birthday, and he I'm sorry. not Sicilian. That was a really funny laugh, by the way. Um, I was I was, I was, was looking at um, how Ray Liotta um, portrayed Henry Hill when I did that laugh, but I don't... Oh, yeah! <laughs> he's, at the bar. he's, like, crying. He's, like, angry he's like, laughing. Yeah, he's, he's, like... Yeah. Angry, laughing, crying, and it's well. It's so funny. Really, how? It's, how? How is it how, funny? How are you? How am I funny? I mean, how am I funny? You know, it's really funny intriguing. Funny like though. a clown. It's really intriguing though, and the source of internet memes. So you don't have to be good, right? Oh, no, yeah. of course. Internet yeah, memes, yeah. So that's like, internet meme. That's, that's like putting yeah, your hand on the Bible standard. and swearing. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so how many times do you think the word "fuck" was used in Goodfellas? What it was. was I, I saw that because it's in like the IMDb trivia. One hundred and twenty-five. It's like in the three hundred and fifty. Three hundred and fifty. It's in the three hundred. Those are Joe Pesci's. Oh no, yeah. No, this was this was a trivia question we had. Wow. Uh, I believe where we do trivia. I think. Uh, I'm going to say Goodfellas had the record, but then uh, The Wolf of Wall Street surpassed it for the Did number it? of times fuck is used in a film. Wow, okay. That's, that's, All right. And that's, that's impressive. Crazy. That is after impressive. After rewatching right. uh, Goodfellas. Putting these two movies side by side is really interesting because, you know, these are the two movies that are arguably the best mobster films ever made. Um, and a lot of people yeah, okay. herald The Godfather right, yeah. as the greatest. You know, it's, they're, they're both on AFA, AFI's Top 100. Absolutely, um, yeah. With good reason. Uh, the Godfather was great, and, uh, you know, both of these are book adaptations. 
and both authors had a very big hand in like the consultation of the film. Um, and I feel like Godfather almost constructed the mobster film genre, and they kind of made these rules. It depends on it depends on what you consider a mobster film too, because there were some mobster films before that may not have been as heralded. Um, some of them from you know like the black and white. Era oh because, yeah, yeah, because yeah, he, yeah. Well, With, if you consider well, Edward D. Count. Robinson, yeah, see, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna rub you out, see. You okay. know, I mean, even when that, I mean, when you know, it, it, when it carries over into Looney Tunes and Bugs Bunny, then it, oh, know. that's staying power, right? right, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's almost like yeah. Burgess Meredith's uh, yeah. Penguin from the uh, Adam West. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, that's yeah. a good point though, because in both films you have really colorful personalities but it's not like they're caricatures which i think earlier mobster films they're more caricatures in these films that we're discussing um especially godfather they're characters and they're very genuine even if they may fit a certain stereotype they're Mm -hmm. living and breathing and it's almost like you're not looking at them as actors portraying certain roles you're looking at them as okay this is you know whether it's uh, Marlon Brando um, playing the Don of the Corleone family. Like he's not Marlon Brando when you see him when he's when he starts talking. Uh, which, by the way, that's that's one of my he favorite. Em- it he has one embodies of my fa- the character. Yeah, that's I one mean... of my favorite movie openings when you just have. And, and by the way, that's that's another cool trivia bit that I, I looked up. They used like um, a computer controlled, I think, lens or shot to do that really slow, slow drawback, fade yeah. out to the yeah. nervous man asking for a favor from right. uh, the Don Vito Corleone. Um, with, and you can hear both of them talking back and forth. It's just like you're so thrown into the essence of the film from the first scene, and that's so important, I think, to uh, the way everything unfolds. Um, it's well, a great atmosphere. One of the okay. things... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. All right. Well, I was going to say, Paramount didn't even want uh, Marlon Brando to be in the movie. Oh, yeah. That... And they gave him... They gave, uh, Coppola, the three conditions, and one of them was that um, Marlon Brando couldn't be paid anything. Oh yeah, because that's he right. Was his last two films were production a flop, nightmare. He was totally uh, unpredictable as far as his personality and lifestyle goes. Um, obviously, he he ended up being paid something. It was very very low. Um, Didn't he get like a percentage mm-hmm. of some kind? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the... but he said, he, and, and that's the thing. This whole film, if you look at the backstory behind just the production, you probably would have thought that if you're looking at the production and knew nothing about this film, just reading about it, that it would be a complete disaster because they Paramount, they were in fiscal trouble. They hadn't been doing so well. They were in the red, and they even sent in somebody to like look over Coppola's shoulder in case they needed to can him. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, the cool thing, though, about the story is they actually sent somebody in to uh, make the movie more violent. Yeah, right? Yeah. It wasn't violent enough for no, the they, studio? Well, yeah, some of the scenes, they, they were, like, the scene where um, Connie's, like, smashing the plates. Oh, then, yeah, yeah. And then Carlo's, like, whipping her yeah, with, right, the with the belt. I mean, yeah. that came after the fact when the studio said... Really? You got to add another little element to. to oh, okay. Well, right, I mean, and yeah. it worked out well too for them because they were just looking yeah. at financial success. Led directly to Sonny beating the fuck out of Carlo. Well, and, <laughs> and I feel like it was hard to get an R rating in the seventies. I mean, I know with Jaws, it got you know, there's you know, limb dismemberment, there's uh, nudity, there's much blood, and the R rating was you know, you could have. 
an arm getting cut off, um, and that's fine, but if you have an open mouth kiss, that's going to get you an R rating. So I'm assuming, based on the Mario Puzo novel, that they were going for an R which, right off of the bat, so it's like, pff, fucking layer it on. I can't remember, I can't remember, the, there was a specific film, too, that inspired them to do that, that was successful, and also somewhat violent, but I can't recall what it was. The release year of Godfather was 1972, so I can't, mm-hmm. I can't remember what directly inspired them to do that, because I, I read through several different articles, but that was interesting, because, um, well, for one, how often nowadays do you have a movie coming in to intervene and say, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, more blood, please, uh, more violence, please. Right. Well, now, it's more like, oh, you, now it's more like, you need to make this PG-13 so the kids can watch it, all right? Exactly. You need to tone it down so a bit. So we can make so, some bands. Yeah. Oh, oh, or if it's HBO, they're going to hear it on. But, well, depends, um, on depends on who's uh, funding it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so both of these movies are well over two hours. Um, Absolutely. I think Godfather is 169 minutes. Uh, yeah, it's three, close it's to like three hours. Three hours in Goodfellas yeah. is more like, yeah. what, two and a half? Yeah. yeah. It's close to three, so... Um, but yeah. I love the, the... The music is good. The music is in Godfather is, is amazing, and Coppola found this guy in Sicily. He did a lot of Fellini films, and um, obviously everybody remembers the, you know, the opening theme. Mm-hmm. But what I really love is that Don Corleone, his, like, moral standards are not really that immoral. I mean, he doesn't, he personally does not do or put the order on, on anything that would be deemed immoral by any typical outstanding well, citizen. it depends because he has people roughed up and some people, well... But he personally doesn't, he doesn't put out he doesn't, the order. He doesn't personally do it, but he gets people to do it if he needs to do it. So, right, right. I mean, there are some things I... I mean, morality, that's kind of like a gray area. But you can see he has some type of morality when it comes to, okay, we have this heroin dealer and he wants to cut us in if we give him, you know, some of our political influence. And he says, no, I don't want to be involved with it. Goodbye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how um, Paul Sorvino who is, is a great Don in Goodfellas. <laughs> and, good, I mean, Goodfellas in general, I, I watched uh, Sopranos uh, a year and a half ago for the first time, and I think that there was at least ten people in Goodfellas that were also in Sopranos. Yeah. Um, and so I like to think about the parallels, like Ray Liotta... Um, and young Michael. Young, yeah, young Michael. And Michael Imperioli, who was uh, Christopher Moltisante in Sopranos, who plays, um, oh, not Snake, um, the guy who Joe Pesci shoots, <coughs> the little, the little uh, barkeep who That's tells snake, Joe Pesci, is it Snake? He's like, hey, why don't you fuck off? Yeah. And then... He's like, and, well, because that's... Oh, that's, the, the young boy. Yeah, yeah. The, the young kid. Yeah, yeah that's, he plays yeah, yeah, yeah. that's him. Well, that's Does he really? Mm-hmm. Oh, Which, okay. I mean, that's the thing, too, is how... Um, <clears throat> not so much in Godfather, but at least in Goodfellas, sometimes it's the violence is kind of hilarious in a certain morbid, sordid way. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, what I found funny was the opening scene of Goodfellas. The very opening scene, they're driving along, you know, and all of a sudden they hear a thump, 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 thump in the back of the trunk. Is my tire flat? In the Mm -hmm. trunk, right? In my tire flat, they pull over. What do they do? Open the trunk. Dude's still alive. Don't even think twice. (laughs) Pesci's character pulls out the knife and starts stabbing him, and De Niro's character, blam, blam, blam! Mm -hmm. And then you're like, 
Okay. So well, this that, is what now we're we know. in for. This is what we're uh, in for. Now we're line from Tropic Thunder. They got thrown into the shit. Yes. Right from the, the get-go. Shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right I shouldn't say they're thrown into the shit. I think we're thrown into uh, their lifestyle, their uh, proverb- proverbial shit. Um, and what a great way to introduce some mobsters slash gangsters, wise guys. Yeah, and just the lighting of that, like, red brake light shining on them with the trunk open. and Reminded me of Evil Dead, actually. A little bit. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, out in the woods, yeah. I mean, yeah, kind of away from kind everybody. Kind of foggy yeah. and red. I, I, I kept wondering through Godfather, but more through Goodfellas, is why do we have this, like, sympathetic attitude towards these um, really unfaithful... People? murderous, um, power-hungry, alpha male machismo assholes, but you do. Like, even three-fourths of the way through Goodfellas, one of my favorite, like, sequences in all of Goodfellas is the day that he has to do the coke deal, shake the helicopter, go see his girlfriend, yeah, stir the meatballs, (laughs) you know, and you do want the best for him, and I think the, I think the way that they're able to do that. I, 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 you know what, I, I'm sorry, at the, at that point, I wanted him to get caught. Yeah. I wanted him well, to get caught. Well, he needed to get caught. He needed to get caught. He was, he was he strung was, out. He, not only was, was he strung out, anything. but you know what? I'm sorry. I, I, by that time, I was exhausted by that character. Yeah. He had just ran the gamut of every single bullshit stereotype of a yeah. gangster that you could even get close to. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was like, oh, please, just get caught. Which, I yeah. mean, that's, that's the thing about Goodfellas, too, is it's based on a true story. And he did get caught, and it's he one of did deals. fold on the yeah. mob. Then he turned on he, he turned on the family. If he seriously, if he's which is ever found out, I mean for real, then well, he's no, a dead man. He got booted out of the witness protection program because he's like, yeah, I'm Henry Hill from yeah at the premiere. Oh, God. Hey, you know, so like, you know that guy in this movie? Hey, that's me in the Witness Protection Agency who's like, Sorry, goodbye. can't do anything for you anymore. <laughs> can't do nothing. So Good luck yeah, storming the castle. So, <laughs> nice Princess Bride reference. Thank there. you. Uh, he's only partially dead. Yeah, he's um, mostly dead. <laughs> I don't know why Miracle Max was from Brooklyn all of a sudden. I don't know. Yeah. Magic. So, speaking of the Witness Protection and an incredibly anticlimactic ending in Goodfellas, yeah. Um, what was with? So I had to go back. Well, it, it depends and, on what you consider anticlimactic, because I mean, there's there's some action, but it, you're kind of building up to something, and I guess I, I, mean, I guess like I the last ten yeah, seconds. I know what you mean because it's like okay, we have this huge build up. He's being followed by a helicopter. He's coked out. There's this huge drug deal on the line. He's brought in by the police and uh, witness protection. Yeah, and I, I think but that's it, the point they're trying to make. To pair, I, I and he's thrown into a suburban white bread neighborhood with douchebag neighbors, and you know he he basically is like, I, and now I have nothing. I have noodles and ketchup. I have oh. noodles and ketchup. <laughs> exactly. One thing that's worth bringing up: there's um, like a pseudo sequel to Goodfellas. I can't remember what it is. It's it's pretty much Henry Hill's life in the witness protection uh, program. I'd have to, I'll have to look it up on a break. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, but I think the word blue is in the title somewhere. That I just can't remember. I would be bored to tears So the, that, the, the little... Um, well, it could be really entertaining, too. To it just depends on how they do yeah, it. Yeah, that's like, true. Hey, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to steal some drugs, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, uh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. You're really not, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, the little flashback they do when uh, he says, the noodles on ketchup, grabs the newspaper, looks up, and then it cuts to Joe Pesci, uh, 
shooting the random shots that's just, you know, maybe like a random memory flashback. But I feel like in, not only in Scorsese movies, but especially in the last frames of of a Scorsese movie, it's very intentional. It's not just, well, maybe this was what he was trying to go for. You know, like Departed, the very last uh, stills of Departed, or the very last stills of Raging Bull, or Mean Streets, or whatever. It's very um, planned. So I thought, that's that's a really weird um, move to make, to just show Joe Pesci shooting random shots like towards the camera. Oh, Well, yeah, that right. was, um, once again, I'd have to look it up. That was an ode to a different film. Was it, was it Great Train Robbery? But pretty much that's, he was saying, you know, I'm paying homage to this particular film mm-hmm. through those specific shots. <clears throat> But I know exactly what you mean because just reading about Goodfellas, you can see that Scorsese was very meticulous, and especially with like the way that Goodfellas unwinds with the energy. Even though he used the word sympathetic, I don't know if he wants us to sympathize with them so much as to just understand them. Yeah, I don't know if he. Re- I don't know if he there's really wants not us a sympathetic to- yeah. character in there unless yeah, them are- unless you're talking about uh, Ray Liotta's wife or the the, the it, it, it first. Yeah, you have to sympathize with her, and then later on she becomes culpable in the the drug stuff. But but still, there's not a single character that has a morally redeeming uh, characteristic, as far as I'm concerned. Where at least. I don't know. Where at least in The Godfather, you have a you have a there's a set of rules that you're following. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this there's there's conduct. this code of conduct that's set up, and and you don't do things out of personal for personal reasons. You do things for business reasons. The and family, the family comes first. You know, and that's why even though even though the even though eventually the characters in The Godfather. Uh, trilogy also become morally reprehensible eventually you still root for them i wasn't rooting for ray Liotta's character mm-hmm. I, I i was rooting for michael corleone all throughout even you know all through even through the when he ends up well again you know through godfather 2 yeah well, and even when he ends up doing when, such horrible things I i'm still mean, rooting for michael even when he's like hey um I'm just here. Here's here's the plan. Uh, I'm gonna kill the police chief and this crime boss. All you need to do is plant a gun in the restaurant, and I'm going to blow their brains out. You're kind of like, you know, I can understand where he's coming from. Yeah. A and then bit. and then he just looks. At, he looks at his brother then and goes, you know, it's not personal, Sonny. It's just business, and it's good business because right. he makes a he really makes a very solid point. He says, listen, we've got a cop. He's not just a cop. He's a crooked cop. He's a dirty cop. He's a dirty mm-hmm. cop. He's involved in very bad And then things. he goes a step further. We know some people in the newspapers who would like a story like that, don't we? We could spin this to be in our favor. So people are going to look at this cop and be like, yeah, McCluskey was a piece of shit in the end. Because he was. Mm-hmm. He truly was. I mean, it, he you, was you a see brute. It, you see it in that scene where uh, Michael goes to visit... Uh, Vito in the hospital. Vito yeah. in the hospital. Yeah. And then he comes out um, because the baker shows up and, you know, there's there's nobody guarding Don and there should be somebody guarding the Well, they sent, they sent the private detectives away. Yeah, they sent the private detectives away. So he goes out with the baker who's nervous and the police show up and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to arrest this guy, do whatever. The police chief, I think his name is in the film is what, McCluskey? McCluskey, yeah. McCluskey. Yeah. 
pretty much does a full-out punch, tries to break his jaw. And before that, there's a police officer who says, this guy's a war hero. Yeah, I know. I mean, he because he's, he's a Marine. He's number, number one, he's not armed. Number two, he's he's the kid, he's the son of the guy in there. And number three, he's just that. He's a war hero. And I think he's that Marine it's important. He, you see the regalia. You see the, uh, the different uh, honors that mm-hmm. he's got. And you see it on his... Uh, his uniform in the first scene in the right, film, right, the wedding. right, right, yeah. You know, the this wedding, guy's yeah. decorated. Yeah, he's, he's not just decorated. Some no, I mean he de- he's done things. I think it's also an interesting comment. You know, the fact that he speaks up against that chief pr- shows that he's not on the payroll. There is oh, an yeah. end to this guy's payroll. Cobb, obviously, he's on the payroll because he gets shot in the head twice later. But it's not like he's got the whole uh, police precinct on his oh yeah his, on his bankroll. So there is. You know, there is a ceiling to his power. Through Godfather, through Goodfellas, I do have sympathy. And maybe it's just differences and, and you know, whatever between the, you know, who, whether you feel bad for him or whether you don't. But of all of these different mobster movies that have come out, you know, be it these two or Donnie Brasco or Untouchables, whatever, these two movies specifically stay in the world of the mafia. You don't really ever see, like, the outside world. Which they explain thoroughly in Goodfellas. Especially with the scene with all the uh, mob wives there. Mm -hmm. It's like, she's explaining it where you get the wife's voiceover, and she's saying, you know, it's just all of us here, and there's never anybody else, and it's always just us at the same parties, and there's never anyone else. There aren't any outsiders. Mm-hmm. I know we've touched on this in previous podcasts, but the voiceover. Oh, yeah. Okay. It can drive you crazy, okay. or it can work. Mm-hmm. And, then it's, 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 it's and I am not a huge fan of the voiceover. I'm not a huge fan of spinning a narrative without actually showing us what's going on. Mm-hmm. In the case of Goodfellas, I think it does work to a certain degree. It works to a certain degree. And it works in scenes like with the one with the wives, where you're getting the inner monologue of of the I, I can't I can't want to keep don't want to keep calling them Ray Liotta's character. What was his name in the Henry Henry, Henry yeah, yeah Henry that was that was one of the few characters he, where they could name him the actual right the, I yeah mean, the yeah true to life character. I, I, I mean again he, he Henry's Henry's wife all throughout was at least in that first part was like these women are despicable. Mm-hmm. Bad they, clothes, they, they bad, bad hair, clothes, bad, yeah, hair, yeah, yeah, bad yeah. makeup, and she's beating the she's kids. sitting there with these women, thinking these thoughts. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm with you on this one. Yeah. yeah. Not only am I with you on this, but I, I would get up and run at this point because these women scare the shit out of me. Well, I feel like the first time as a mob wife, you say, hey, I'm going shopping. Can I have some money? It's like, you 100%. know the role that you play. You are you are no longer a victim. You're an accomplice. And, and, and it's, not, it's not because you're flushing my cocaine, but you're aware of what I'm doing. You clearly like the lifestyle. Um, well, I mean, they they portray that because that's an actual scene because she's like, oh, I want to go shopping. And, you know, Henry Hill has like a lot of 100s just like duh, 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 right, duh, right. just handing him handing these uh, these bills to his wife. It's like, oh, it's not a big deal. I just gave you like one grand to shop. I know. I mean, I think there's even a specific line that's a voiceover where she says she does like that aspect of the lifestyle. You think? Um, and, and that's going back to the sympathy thing. 
when she's doing the voiceover once again, she's talking about how, oh, I like the fact that my husband will stay out at nights and put in a little bit of extra work, almost making him yeah. look like some kind of a blue-collar guy mm-hmm. at the factory busting his ass. She actually says she's proud of him. Yeah. but And then there's these, just a little these bit moments of, of chivalry. I mean, both of these films are very romanticized. Um, pistol whipping? Pistol whipping. Oh, yeah. Well... I mean, they, that, that scene, I love the scene right after they get married when... Uh, they're still living with uh, Lorraine Bracco's mom. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he stays out until two in the morning, and, and he finally comes home, and they're screaming at him, and he just laughs and walks. Walks away. back. He walks back to the and, car, and he, Tommy Tommy DeVito joke. Yeah. his characters in the yeah. car is like, ah, "What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I told you, you were nuts." You know. <laughs> so Tommy like, DeVito sh- was named after the Four Seasons uh, performer, and Joe, Joe Pesci was, was actually friends, friends with. with. Him. And, and that's cool because the Four Seasons actually did have mob connections. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So there's all. There's there's all these rumors with uh, Goodfellas that they actually had mafiosos as extras and they were given fake social security numbers to get oh. the Warner Brothers and it was obviously neither uh, confirmed nor denied. Just as an add-on, um, Henry Hill's wife is Karen. Yeah. Karen, thank my, you. My, I, I kept on getting in my mind uh, Karen confused with um, Henry Hill's mistress of sorts that comes into play a little bit later. Mm-hmm. When there's oh, intervention. yeah. She there's sucks. The intervention with... Uh, Jimmy, not the Jimmy on our podcast, but Robert De Niro's character, about Jimmy, Jimmy and Polly, who say, oh, you gotta go back to Karen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, seriously. Polly is such a great counselor. Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. I, I know that, um, so he didn't want to play the Don. Paul Sorvino didn't. Really? Why, why not? Because he didn't feel he did, like he could fit that role. He didn't think like, he was, I'm not, well, no, he didn't think he had an enemy. He didn't think he was cool enough. He's like, I'm a family man, but I, I think I know the story you're talking about. Like he was, he was, he was torn over he this is role. The perfect no. person for the part in because he I does know. not believe he should yeah. be that I know. part. And, and he was like torn in real life, and then yeah. he like looked at himself in the mirror, and he had this expression on his face. Right. He's like. Now I know I'm perfect and because right. I gave himself goosebumps right. yeah. and he's like, all right, I'll do that. Yeah, right. because he's torn. Because he, you can't... Oh, yeah. I and mean, that scene he slaps Ray Liotta, that was totally improvised. There's a lot was of it. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. that's that's one of the most interesting things about Goodfellas is that um, Scorsese encouraged, encouraged them to improvise and the whole... Uh, <laughs> You think I'm funny? Scene was improvised, and it was based on a real life experience from Joe Pesci when he was like a, a busboy or something at a restaurant, and there was a mobster, and a mobster was the guy in Tommy DeVito. She was saying, "Why the fuck do you think I'm funny, huh?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be horrifying. Oh, the and they I'm didn't sorry. tell the rest of the cast. No, and I'm sorry. Happy. And Joe Pesci, he is not an imposing person, and even in this role, he's just crazy. He's well, not scary. He's just crazy. Well, I feel and like it's the he's like. He's like you. Oh, I don't even know. It's like the birth of the small man syndrome. One of my favorite scenes Napoleon in Goodfellas. Oh, totally. Um, even though Napoleon was average height, but that's all right. Never mind. Without having describing what scene I'm talking about, I'll just say this. Now go get your fucking shine box. Yeah, <laughs> that scene was awesome. It's yeah. like, dude, just shut your mouth. Yeah. You gotta but die. It's just the pissing I mean, contest. This alpha male machismo bullshit One facade. It's like. You can't just drop it. The problem is, is that that DeVito character has no control. That he right. He well, has either no does control. Billy Bats because look at what happened. Well, true, but them have any type of oh rationale. no, absolutely. Although we consider rationale. Absolutely, no. they don't. I mean, and that's really what was Henry Hill's downfall. I mean, that's what got him into. If there's a character you could parallel with DeVito in Godfather, 
who would you pair him with? Sonny. Sonny. They're both hotheads. They're both hotheads. Mm -hmm. The difference is, I think Sonny's smarter than the DeVito character. At least a little bit. I think Sonny, at least... God, Sonny's death just... Sunny, oh, but it was beautiful so sad. though. It was, it was beautiful. I, I Honestly, was that's how I want to go out. Like that is such and a an hail of gunfire death. at a toll booth after like 127 shots. <laughs> that's a really shots, bad way to go out. Yeah. He's still alive. It was almost like a, a platoon ending. Oh, oh, like, oh! Like, Will and Defoe ah! running out of the out of the jungle. Ah! Ah! Traffic thundered at the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't we take a little break? Okay, gather our thoughts. I'm going to heat up the oven. Bitch it. Pizza. And uh, we're going to put the mailman in it. And we're going to tell him not to send any more letters to school. How many guys are going to be cooking for so you get more wine and uh Gangst- i recording gangsters don't brown <laughs> gangsters don't brown they That's... fry so let's talk about how these movies made me so hungry Don oh. Corleone there is so There's much so many eating scenes which makes sense given the, well, the, the whole culture. For, the whole first 45 minutes is is a, a of godfather is a wedding scene yeah they're all either eating and drinking and talking or drinking or dancing or singing or eating or drinking or talking or whatever. Don't you know, eating again. Eating and drinking and oh, and then in in the one of my favorite eating scenes, which I find such a great irony for The Godfather, is just before they send Michael off to meet with uh, meet with like McCluskey and uh, and and what what's the other guy's name? Is it something? Azo? Uh, uh, not now. It's not Barzini. Cunio. No, that's not it. Keep Cujo? Reading. No. Uh, Tarantino. Who guy? Neri. No. Bonazera. No. Bonazera. No. Tataglia. No. I'm just making up names. Now. No, I know you are at this point. Anyway, Actually, just no, before those that, are all real. no, they are. But just before that, they they're all sitting around the table waiting for the call, right? And they're eating Chinese food. Mm-hmm. They're eating Chinese food out of the little containers, and they're all <laughs> sitting there. These Italians, they're all sitting around a table eating takeout Chinese. That just Chinese. goes to show you that everybody loves Chinese food. Everybody loves Chinese food. No matter food. where you're from, you can be a hard-hearted mobster. You can be this guy from Illinois. You can be from Uganda. You're going to love everybody Chinese Everybody loves food. Chinese everybody food. Everybody loves Chinese well, food. Well, I love Chinese food because I actually take apart the container and it forms a plate. It does form a plate. It's amazing. Which is awesome. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So, no, I was anyway. thinking more of how awesome prison is. In the '90s, for a good fella. Yeah. Oh God! For a wise guy, it's just because like it's just well, like a yeah. but you still you know? get a razor blade to cut up garlic, garlic so yeah. thin. It's yeah, like, oh he's, my God, he shaved it. He had this talent. He shaved the garlic, you know, and he got it nice. It, he throw it in the butter, and it would just melt. The it's garlic just would just liquid. liquefy. Oh my God! If that's what prison is for gangsters, sign me up. Yeah, so, I could use a bankroll. 
I'll be honest. No shit. I think anybody. Wads of money that they cart around in Goodfellas. Especially, especially um, when we're introduced to Jimmy, it's just like his thing is he comes in with like a wad of 100s and just like keeps on handing the people like, oh, here you go. Oh, you gave me some chips. Here you go. Oh, you need a drink. Oh, yes. You tuck it into their pocket. You're like, yeah, you know, tuck it in the pocket, right? So the two scenes in Goodfellas, um, well, really camera techniques, but the tracking shot with the Coca Cabana was a happy accident. Oh my god, it was so good. I noticed it when they actually filmed it, but when are you talking about when they're introducing all of the gangster characters as they're walking through that originally? Karen have one of their first dates. Okay. And it's like a four-minute tracking shot, and it's just so fluid, and it just moves so smoothly through the kitchen, oh, through oh, the back oh, of the oh, nightclub. That's right, that's right, hey, that's right, that's right. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You're and always here. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's heaven for a gangster, and it's like, you know, Henry, is a, it, that's the very peak... Um, Far before his fall from grace. Oh, geez, that—that's when he was at his best. If—if if you really want to know, because right. if you think about it, he walks into this place where there's obviously a line outside, a line of people all the way around the goddamn block. VIP in the club. He opens a door, walks down. As you said, that tracking shot where it follows him back through the kitchen and out into the. And the maitre d' at the front doesn't even question. Oh, you're here. Oh, we got a table for you. Oh, right up front, as a matter of fact. The guy, there's, I don't know if you caught this as you're watching, the guy goes, we've been waiting here for how long? And he just mm-hmm. walks right in, you know? I mean, you'll get a table, don't worry. And then, of course, he set this at the table right up front. And at that but point... everything just happens so... It's so smoothly. Right. It's The fluid. guy just has the table ready and, you know, what do you do? I'm in construction. It's the, the most yeah. masculine job you can possibly... At that point, if you're Karen, don't you have to think... That's a red flag. That's a red flag. You got to think. That's a red flag. Well, for her. And that's what I mean. Anything after thing, that, though, I don't feel bad for you. If if she's yeah. used to the guys like the dude from across the across street, the who street. eventually gets pistol whipped brutally, oh god, then, uh, you know you kind of forgive her a little bit. Uh, I mean, and the, was, and the voiceover when she said, "When your boyfriend gives you a gun, that he just used to beat up a guy across, you know, whatever it was," I kind of liked it. It was a turn on. You knew right then and there, she's a bad seed. She's a bad seed. It's romantic. And it here's really the thing is. too: um, during the shoot of Goodfellas, Ray Liotta's mother died of cancer, so oh, he used his anger his for certain anger scenes, and, and that rage. was one of them that yeah. he specifically picked out as, "Yeah, I was totally pissed off." I mean, and you could tell from that scene he literally looked like he was going to kill somebody he had the gun in his hand he's just taking the gun and just slamming it against the side of this guy's face so mm-hmm. that really does and it, the sound effects sense. too you know it's it's obviously not well the foley know, that artist movie has nothing to do with special effects no. or you know any of that but nothing really fancy they, going they on they do put a lot of effort into like the subtle um like the foley artist the guy that yeah. makes up the sound effects. He did it great. Is so brutal and oh, like, cringeworthy. Yeah. You know, in Godfather, I'm thinking of the scene where Sonny beats that man in the street. That's Carlo. Um, Carlo, He yeah. beats Carlo yeah, he down, beats down Carlo in the street. Carlo down in the right. street. Yeah. Um, which took a lot a of takes, times, supposedly. He what? It took a lot of takes. Which took a lot of takes, oh, yeah. supposedly, and tons of extras. Yeah. Um... But there's some very obvious phantom punches there. I mean, obvi- you know, we're not going to... 
Oh, and, like, oh, in that scene? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah, like yeah. two feet away from the face, phantom punches. Right. I know what you mean. I mean, it happens in almost every movie. Oh, sure. Especially like action movies, which we're not talking about. But, you know, it's just like, you, you know, there wasn't a real punch there. So they had to throw in a sound effect to make it seem like there was a real punch there. Right. Yeah. Right. But where Godfather kind of lacked in that good fella. And I mean, there's quite a variance between 1972 and 1998. Absolutely. Was it 98? It was way earlier. It wasn't 1990. Oh, yeah. No, it was 1990. Yeah, it was 90. It was 1990. It was 1990. Um, Which both films still have scenes where there are uh, instances of over-the-top violence. I think Goodfellas is more prevalent, but with Godfather... I don't want to say it's more effective, but... I think it is more effective. Well, okay. Over-the-top violence for The Godfather. All right? Pull over, I gotta take a leak. Mm-hmm. He gets out of the car. Wide shot. Boom! Right in the back of the head. Oh, you don't see Paulie no more. Right? I mean, leave the gun, take the cannolis. It's an mm-hmm. epic scene. It's an absolutely epic scene. That's about as violent as it gets. Mm-hmm. With the exception of, you know, poor Luca. When Luca gets his hand pinned to the, the bar and then... He gets, gets strangled, strangled from behind with the, the garage. How about the yeah. guy that takes the bullet to the eye? At oh, the Mo Green? When the five Mo Green. Yeah. Are yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. no. Mo. Actually, you know what? That was one of the the scenes I wanted to bring up because I remember my lit teacher in high school, this is such an awesome story, she showed us that scene from The Godfather as a highly effective use of juxtaposition. You have... Um, Michael's, I guess you, yeah, Michael's nephew being christened, and he's saying, yes, I renounce the acts of Satan, yeah. while he's having the dons of New York killed. It was right, beautiful. Right. That is, overall, like, one beautiful. of those scenes you think about it just, like, gives you chills thinking about it. When you see it, you're like, this is, I mean, you can say that perfection isn't attainable, but that scene was perfect. I rarely use that phrase, but that scene was perfect. You couldn't have done it better. No, There's it no was. Way you could have done it better. No, yeah. it was. It would. Yeah, it, and and it sets up though. It that's that particular scene sets up how Michael is going to run his family. He has this code of honor. He has this sense of right and wrong, but it's definitely not what the normal everyday person's sense of right and wrong is. You mm-hmm. know he is capable of anything at that point. Absolutely too, capable like, of anything. Well, I mean, the, and, and here's a thought too. If you had the power, what would you really do if you were in a situation where um, the husband of your sister was beating her and he had done it multiple times. Yeah, you'd get rid of him too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, you feel so much for these characters. It's like you want him to be hurt. I mean, you don't yeah. want him to get a second chance. I was shocked that he didn't kill him. I was shocked oh, yeah. that he didn't beat him and then kill him. You know, and, and so many of these films, it's like, you know, like we were talking about the sympathy factor with Henry Hill, which I, you know... I I'm not I guess I'm not really sure why because it's kind of like the all American antihero you know they have it in Sopranos they have it in the HBO show Eastbound and Down it's like you know the, you have these characters that are for all intents and purposes assholes unfaithful um, murderous uh, like lowlifes but because of the way that you film them and because of the way that you portray them 
you know, I feel this emotion that the director knew I was going to feel. He orchestrated all of this so that I would feel the way that I was going to feel. It's very calculated. You know, it's very intentional. You're absolutely right. It is very intentional. But then you come back to the Henry Hill versus the Michael Corleone character. There's a parallel there, obviously. I mean, if we're looking at these two films. Michael Corleone would not step out on his wife. Why? Mm -hmm. Because family. Family means everything to him. He does everything for the family. He'll shoot, he'll he'll kill, he'll steal, he'll do everything to maintain his family. Will he sleep around? No, he won't. Mm-hmm. He and won't. And that's the difference. Corleone's, yeah. But if you look at you look at the Hill character then, yeah, he does all these other things. He's a pretty good gangster up until a certain point. But then, what does he do? He compromises. How does he compromise? He gets involved with heroin. He gets not just... Selling it or dealing it, but doing it. And well, not heroin, how does he, but the coke. coke. Well, was it was was it? Oh no, that, Godfather yeah, dealt yeah, more with heroin. heroin that's right. I'm sorry, cocaine. Coke. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. My my apologies. But then it's it. But then it's the drugs, nonetheless. But then he ends up using them. But then not only that, he has girlfriends. Yeah, I'm sorry. Which is kind of family values. And Godfather was hey, a real man spends time with his family. But spending time with your family. A real man spends time with his family, you yeah. know. Whereas Henry Hill's character ah, is reprehensible; he stays out oh, all yeah, night long, and they fucking even, every girl in town. And, and they even say so, with the narration with the Coca Cabana, they're like, "Friday nights you bring your wife, Saturday nights you, you bring, bring your, your girlfriends. girlfriends." Exactly. And, and that's by the thing. time that Sopranos came out, it was like "guma," which is like the um, you know term for girlfriend. It right. was almost like if you marry a Sicilian man. He's going to have a girlfriend, right. and you have to be okay with that. And if you are okay with that, then you've already set we're yourself not up. Bad for you no, not at all. You know, you are well aware of this life you're living. Sorry, a lot of it. Well, a lot of it goes back to Henry Hill's childhood. You know, his childhood was really severely fucked up. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. I mean, his his dad was not a good role model, and the only way he saw out of a lifestyle, the only way. He saw out of being like his dad was to pretty much become a mobster, you know. Right. That's, and the that's, first half hour he yeah. spent staring out the window at these guys dressed in nice clothes, pulling up in nice cars. And he wants to be, and he somebody. Wants to be those guys, right? And that's so he goes over. Right. You know, his, one of the first lines in the movie was, you know, for as far back as I can remember, I've always wanted to be a gangster. gangster. Right. And with Godfather, Michael wanted no part of it. Well, he 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 wanted no part of it to begin with for the very well, actually his family wanted him to have no part part of it and Don Corleone at the very that's end one of the few, Michael I never wanted you to be a part of this I wanted you to be a son I wanted to be I wanted you to you know, rise above this you know which is which again shows the difference between the two two movies the two stories the Corleone family he wanted Michael to be legitimate he wanted him to stay clean he wanted mm-hmm. him to stay out of this Dirty, awful business. Whereas in Goodfellas, I know. I, I think that everybody was like, if you've got talent, you prove you have talent, you're going to be a part of us. And that's, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. And even even the, the, you know, Paul Servina's Don character. Well, you know, he, he is sympathetic all along. He, he makes some decisions that are pretty hard all along. He's still a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Whereas you could look at, yeah, Don Corleone. 
he's a bad guy, but he does things that. Uh, but he has these moral ethics. He has, know, a, like yeah, he has a loyalty, code. honesty, respect. Absolutely, absolutely, um, yeah. I mean, sometimes having a lack of honesty is what gets you well, killed. But that's, see, that's the point. You, it, instead the, of you know smacking your your wrist a little, you you lie to the don. You end up with a dead horse in your your bed. You yeah, know, let's I mean, talk about what's your, it. Well, yeah, we got to we got to oh, we got to talk about that. Peter probably didn't like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't you think Peter wasn't did. around at that point. They couldn't have been. No, well, they couldn't have been. You couldn't pull that shit without that's, getting a non-rating. That's an interesting parallel, too, between both films and how ethnicity plays in, because you have characters with German and Irish blood who Tom never Hagen. be made. Um, Boo Radley, grown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, become, maybe, maybe Boo Radley... Uh, straightened uh, out a little? Straightened no. out a little. It's no. like, you know what? Not, I can go have a look... Maybe, maybe Ray Liotta's ex-wife Karen became a therapist and oh, changed her name and to Doctor Melfi, <laughs> and that's why she's so opposed to Thomas right, right. That could be. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's that. I found that very interesting because what his name was what Hagen, Tom, Tom Hagen, yeah, Tom Hagen, Tom, yeah. Hagen. Tom Hagen shows up and says to Walt on behalf of Johnny Fontaine, you know. This guy really, really needs this part in this film, so you better give it to him. And he's like, "Oh yeah, I know you guys. You know, I'm gonna, yeah, you I'm gonna brush you off." Yeah. He's like, grease no. "Jewish fuck." Yeah. Like, no. Oh no, no, you're, 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 you're. Uh, oh, oh God, what's so super racist? racist. Like, super racist. Very, very, yeah. very racist. Very racist. But the thing is, he says, "No, I'm." I'm German Irish and I'm a lawyer and I only represent one, one client. client. That's and right, yeah. I'm going to fly back and tell him what's going on because he, he was... likes to hear bad news firsthand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like, then oh, the perfect, this for a world the of hurt. perfect reaction, though, to that, to after Waltz wakes up and finds his horse's head in this bed, the very next scene is Don Corleone going, meh. You know, he just makes a yeah. little shrug and a. A look away. It was perfect. It was the mm-hmm. best visual. I don't give a fuck. I after, just. I mean, it's eh, you after fuck my Waltz, family. I'm gonna fuck yours. Yeah, you because know? Johnny Fontaine is his godson, and Waltz had, you know, uh, in a previous scene, been describing his uh, thoroughbred mm. horse, who he mm. was going to not race but stud. Stud, of course, you know? yeah. So he wakes up with that stud horse. Nice. Uh, that store that stud horse's head in his bed, and there goes his extra however many dollars, which he doesn't need well, anyway. The no, dude has I a mean, mansion, yeah, right? And but he's also he's also rich. an asshole and a reprehensible character because um, you could tell that he was taking advantage of young female yeah. talent, not just young female talent, illegal, illegal. young female talent. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was really interesting that they're like, how do we, you know, how do we get to the soul of the of a man who has a trillion dollars? And there it is, right there. I mean, yeah. So with both of these movies, one thing that I always love to see is um, like tension and suspense, specifically out of the horror genre, because that's it's you know suspense is synonymous with horror and thrillers and a lot thrillers, of time. And thrill, yeah. yeah, psychological and, thrillers and, and, definitely. And these movies are neither. So I'm thinking of Godfather. Um, my favorite scene in the whole movie is when Michael is at the restaurant. Mm. And he knows that the gun is supposed to be there, and he goes, he looks, and he can't find it at first, and then you hear the rattling, and you know he found it, and he pulls it down so slowly that you almost think that maybe he didn't want to find it. You know, that maybe he 
as far as like I think it was relief more than anything. You think so? I think it was relief. I think it was I think when he pulled it down he was like, Oh, thank God I'm not gonna just walk out with my putts in my hands. Yeah. But now you it's know? like I have to do it. Now what Well, well here's the thing. He, I think it's his idea. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely his For idea. For sure, but that puts and, all the more pressure and, on and he this is not the first man that he's killed. No, that's mm-hmm. and that's what I fall back on is like I don't really think it's a stretch for his character to do that because obviously the guy has honor of some kind if he has served as a Marine. But like you said, Stu, this was his idea when this potential five-family war is brought up. He's like, no, I'm going to kill these guys in a restaurant. And you can tell he's sincere about it. He has probably killed many men before and two guys who are pretty much undesirables. He, I mean, just to put it in blunt terms, doesn't give a shit about killing them. No. Because... They're pieces of shit in his yeah. eyes at this point. They have, the, they, they, there they, are too many his enemy, honor. His enemy in the war had more honor as far as he was concerned. Yeah. And yes. he still killed those men. And so, one of those men broke his jaw, which... Uh, oh, yeah, McCluskey. There's some bad blood. There. <laughs> there's not yeah, there's some bad, bad blood, blood, but yeah. And and it's I, I love it that it... Uh, uh, when he when he goes back to the back to that scene, I love it. He goes, I, I got to take a leak. I got to take a leak. You know, he doesn't really play speaking, it the way no, that he was supposed to play. No, he doesn't play it the way he was supposed to. But you know, and and he goes, is it okay? And and then uh, Bart's it is Barzini who mm-hmm. who frisks him and grabs his, you know, nuts. grabs his nuts or whatever, right? And then and then he's, I frisked him. He's clean. You know, because <laughs> yeah, they frisk him in the car on the way. Right. Like, I mean, he was like, "Oh, we're going to Jersey," and then they do. Oh the yeah, yeah, the whole weird U yeah. turn and, and dodge that. Break, yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, they, cool. they just want to make sure they're not tailed. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, but it, but yeah, when, the way McCluskey dies, I think is hilarious. I I found it really really odd because mm-hmm. he gets shot first, like in the throat. Yeah, and he goes, <clears throat> and then the second one was in the head, which causes him to convulse. And slam his head down on the table, causing yeah. everything on the table to just rocket into the air. Yeah. Now, if you're another person in that restaurant at that point in time, it doesn't matter what directions that they gave to Michael at that point. No one is looking at him. Oh, yeah. No one is looking at Don't him. Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye don't contact. Look don't look away. And then as you're, walk- as you're walking, you just drop your head to the side and drop the gun. Mm-hmm. And he does just that. But it doesn't matter because everybody's eyes are focused on the fact that this guy just did a headbutt on a table mm-hmm. and broke it in half. <laughs> but you go you go eat at a restaurant where mobsters are known to frequent. Well, and, you have uh, to you have to figure. I really love this uh little cute scene. Yeah, we're doing Godfather. I shouldn't say cute. I really like the <laughs> badass scene with Clemenza yeah. and Michael. Where Clemens is kind of explaining to him how to fucking shoot a gun. Oh yeah, in the not basement. to shoot a gun, not but to shoot do a gun. assassination. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's in well, the military. He knows yeah. how to shoot. He knows a how gun. to shoot a gun. Yeah. He's like, no, this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which Stu touched on a little bit, but yeah. it's like, no, you know how to kill a man, but this is killing a man in New York in public in a restaurant. So this is what you need to do. Yeah, 
And Sonny was like, no, this isn't shooting a guy from, you know, half a mile away. This is right up between the eyes. But a boom you know, right yeah. there, you know. Which he, he apparently he got that. What he does. Which, uh, <laughs> which the, the actor apparently, uh, that's James, is that James Conn? James Conn Con? yeah. Con got that phrase because he was, like, hanging out with mobsters at the oh, time yeah. for the role. But a boom He's yeah. like, but a bing! Yeah. So that's where yeah. he literally got that, which is awesome. <laughs> which is the name of the strip club in uh, Sopranos. What is Bada Bing? Bada Bing. Is it really? Yeah. I okay. I I have confession. I have never watched Sopranos, Neither but I, I I I didn't have HBO while it was on. I mean, and I just you have will never enjoy started it, it more for it. Will I? Yeah. Okay. Well, All right. I already I'll have to how, go back and watch. I already know how it ends. Well, I know so. how it ends. It ends in darkness. It just fades away, and you don't know how it ends. But it's, it's still worth. No, the, it's uh, not. No, it's yeah, not it's a, a cop. cop. It kind of no, is. It's not it kind of isn't. It's, no, it's hard to say it's, without Again, it's a romantic thing. It's well, no. It's it's the journey that makes yeah. the difference, not the ending. Not necessarily. Well, it depends because I, I had this discussion actually yesterday because the topic was Stephen King. And I said, I'm a huge Stephen King fan, and I will defend him till the end, but sometimes his endings frustrate me so much because like the premise the is great, series, the characters yes. are great, yeah. and he has such great build-up, he has all these great plot turns that make sense, the characters are developed, and you get to the end, oh, this evil clown is a giant spider. It was yeah. not a giant sp- Okay, well, you, you know, know what I mean. mean. I know what you mean. You know what I but mean. But still, it's... Ow. Okay, back to Godfather. I'm pretty <laughs> sure the best on. part of my day was two men arguing over the ending of Sopranos with two men who have never seen Sopranos. Isn't that just amazing? That's very yeah. entertaining. Okay. All right, whatever. It's, it's, it's worth the so, journey, I promise you. Even I, knowing the ending... No, I understand. I understand. I have yep. well, well, Lana has it. Well, so that means you guys have to watch still got some of my books, so I'll just take it right now. Yeah, I'll get that. Okay. Okay, so the other part from uh, Goodfellas that is one of my favorites. So we were talking about the suspense and the scene where Karen meets with Jimmy uh, without Henry Hill knowing. Right. Oh, right, yeah, because right, right. she thinks she's going to get whacked, which she right. may very well be. She totally was going to, and well, she started the, to, to take that walk of shame. Well, that's she, the thing you don't necessarily know. I think it's, I think it's pretty implied. That she was gonna that she was gonna get whacked, um, and that, but that's one thing that's never brought that's up suspense. in the film. That's one thing that's never brought up. Do you ever see a female get killed? You really don't hear no, or see it. No. This is true, but no, it's in her true. mind because she's so part of well, the culture at this yeah. point. So I I think yeah, it it expresses her paranoia to a certain degree. And it does really look shady because she goes and there's just like these these dudes in this really dark looking closed down shop where she's supposed to be was it coats or dresses or something that she's yeah supposed to get I, well yeah no no go go down at the end go down to the end well, that's, that's if it's just make a right yeah. right there no just go right there no that's all right I'll do it some other time that's the thing with the Jimmy and he character. stands there and watches even after she drives off right. it cuts back to Jimmy and I feel like that's when I knew like. He he was planning to handle. Yeah, well, that's no that's that's the thing, and I think it's it's ambiguous, obviously. But with with that character, there are certain things where okay, Jimmy's asking you specific questions about certain events, and when he does that, you know somebody's going to get whacked. Was he going to have her killed? It's it's possible, but I like the fact that it's not set in stone. So you're left Maybe questioning he was as testing a viewer. Her. Maybe he was just testing her to see what she would do. You yeah. never know. 
But the that's other, that's what I like because it, it plays into the complications of and it was the so suspenseful. Yeah, as she's walking down, you're like, oh my god! At this point, we're an hour and ten minutes into the movie. Who knows what could anything happen? Anything can happen because right. that, that's the I mean, thing with both films. Anything can happen. Like nobody really is safe at any yeah. point. You've, are, you've already been die. taken off guard several times. I, I have to retract a comment I made earlier. Okay. About Michael Corleone, and I, I feel bad about it. I shut up. Stu's <laughs> never wrong. You just just yeah. shut up right no, now. I I I I said that he would never cheat. Technically, he's not cheating. But because the wife in Sicily. Sicily, the life and wife in Sicily, yeah. the, the okay. Let's be honest. She's a baby. She's a girl. Oh, she's yeah. not a woman. She's not a woman. She's not a woman. She's what? Maybe seventeen. That's the impression maybe? I got. She was in like maybe, maybe? 15, somewhere between fifteen and seventeen. Yeah, and and I, guess. Oh, I mean, she's young. She's beautiful, but she's obviously so young. And innocent. And, Oh, God. The innocence there just falls off of her, right? And the, the I think that that... The fact that they cart him off to Sicily to wait until the heat blows over, you know? <laughs> I mean, wait until mm-hmm. it all cools off, right? How long has he gone? Was it like a over year? A year. Yeah. It's well over a, yeah, year, a year. So, And in that time, he meets a girl, falls in love, air quotes, marries the girl... Mm-hmm. Screws a girl, watches a girl get blowed up in a car. Yeah, that that, that was supposed. To it be was for all him. with. Uh, it was supposed to be for him. Yeah, and and it all within that year, and then he comes back to Kay, who it makes you wonder if at some point did they have a conversation about Apollonia? Right. Sweet I mean, Diane Keaton. Oh God, she looked great in this film sweet, too. Sweet I mean, Diane this was before King. her. This was before her turtleneck phase. Yeah, this you know, this was before the. the yeah, era. this was before the turtlenecks and the the flop. Well, she had some floppy hats in this, but this was this was when she. This was one of her first roles, obviously. And seriously, she in this. It, 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 she's the true innocent in all of this. Even through all of the Godfather films, I don't. She doesn't become a Karen sort of character. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. Well, feminism plays such a huge role. I mean, such a big distinction between, you know, like, Don Corleone has a wife. Not only and does we he don't have, really see her she at sings. all. Oh no, no, no! Don, we see, we see Mama Corleone. She, she sings at the wedding, and, and right? You always get the sense though of of Mama Corleone in the background. Mama Corleone is the backbone. Mm-hmm. She is the she is the other leg of this family. She's almost like the deuce ex machina. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. But still, I mean, you know, when Don Corleone is the face of the family, she's the one. It almost almost makes you think she's running things behind the scenes. She's at least running the family as a. Well, the thing that she's probably doing is running the family as just a family. Oh, truly. You know, she's taking yeah. care of all the things that need to be taken care of when all these people are, are coming to the dawn. Connie, for instance. Yeah. Connie. What a freaking train wreck is Michael's sister. She probably... The, the way you probably don't the... see from the film is she probably like was a wild teenager. And oh. that's the reason why she's winding up. With the guy she's well with up Carlo, with. and then Carlo. and then as you yeah, watch the next the next film, she she's with another Jag, and it, it is just one one bad decision after another for Connie mm-hmm. until finally at the end of the the second film, she comes back to Michael and it's like take care of me, Michael. 
Michael, basically. Mm. You know, take care of me. I love you, Michael. I'm sorry, and this sort of thing. But again, Mama Corleone all along is seeing this. And she's she's she knows this is going on, so and I and I think it's also funny, oh, and this this goes back to talking about the siblings of the Corleone family. Sonny, <laughs> you know, at Connie's wedding day, <laughs> Sonny's banging a bridesmaid in a, in an upstairs room yeah, up yeah. against the wall. Oh, Sonny, oh, Sonny, oh, oh. <laughs> And, and that's the thing is, like, and she's not even that good looking. You know, I mean, she's kind of homely. Well, so. it's the seventies. Nobody's really that good. Here's oh the thing, God! Though. Here's the thing, though. I think a lot of good films relate back to an Ernest Ernest Hemingway quote, where he's talking about stories. And with stories, they're like an iceberg. The ones that work well, you have what's on the surface that you see, and, and there's like below that's twenty percent, right? And below the surface is eighty percent. Right. So in your mind, when you're watching a great film with really fleshed out characters, like with Connie and probably even with Karen, you don't see Karen doing a whole lot in the film, but you think to yourself, who's really running the household when Henry Hill is out, right. you know, trying to put these deals together, hijacking trucks, you know, yeah. hanging out with this boys, drinking all night. But, but I don't see lines. Ka- Karen's, okay, Karen's not exactly the same as no. Mama Corleone, because or Mama Corleone's established. Laura, Mama and, Corleone's established, Karen's not established, but then when, when Michael and Kay are, are together... Kay has nothing to do with anything. Kay's she all doesn't focused. Have that she's no, kept, she's kept in the dark. Even. She's kept in the dark, she and says, all she hey, wants Michael, is her did, kids. Michael, um, did you did you have did you have Carlo killed? No. Don't ask me about my business. No, yeah. not at all. Okay. Last no. scene in the movie. Last scene in the movie. One time, one time I'll tell you. One time, one, one time, time and you. he looks her right in the eye and no. lies, lies. It's so interesting with Karen because she's. Uh, I mean, uh, not even comparing her with, like, Mama Corleone, but as far as feminism goes, you know, Henry wakes up to a loaded revolver at his face. <laughs> that and, was a good scene. Uh, that was a good scene. Uh, well, it, was an, it was a great scene. Yeah. It was a good scene, but she still makes herself into a victim. Oh, totally. I mean, it, I mean right after she does that, she just glasses I'm sorry! And she I'm apologizes. Sorry! So she has flashes of strength, like... The prison scene where she's just like, oh yeah, I saw that other fucking bra's name on the registry, mm-hmm. and here's your fucking bread, here are your fucking drugs. Starts making a scene. And starts like throwing pills, starts making a scene, throws Take a kicker line, and, yeah, and everything else. And by got, that yeah. time, she's like, you know, defrauded her own character so much that it's like, I'm more on Henry Hill's side <laughs> than I am on Karen's side. Like, well, she, uh, that, but, oh, jeez, yeah. I mean, not that Henry Hill is like a victim, obviously, no. but it's like, you know, you you walked into this life. You had this lovely date at the Coca Cabana, but you were given a bloody revolver and told to hide it. This is your chance to go. <laughs> well, you didn't go, and now all of your sympathy in, in my book. Right I don't know. Well, that's the thing. It, it, it just adds to the complication of that specific mobster culture because, yeah, she did like it, but at, at the point where, let's just talk about the prison scene with Karen. I mean, by that point, she's so in deep, there's no way for her to get out. I mean, it seems like with women, at least with the mob wives or bosses, whether you're talking about both films, it's not like, oh, she knows too much, so we're going to put a hit on her or we're going to kill her. Right. But she's in too deep and she knows she can't get out. So there's, at least in me, a little shred of sympathy because she's kind of trapped in this life. She kind of liked it because, like I said earlier, she was used to like 
the, the guys from across the street well, who true, are but... complete assholes and are just ordinary assholes without any money. Like this is <laughs> you're talking about some girl. Not, who was well, like, they might not have. They might have had money. You saw have. the car in the in the driveway. Yeah, was that was a nice. pretty. That was a sweet car he had. But, but in the seventies, that must have cost a hundred and twelve bucks. <laughs> yeah, but well, here's the thing. Like she was living with her parents because, but you get the idea that she wasn't even used to guys a whole lot. So. Um, Okay, she she sees this guy, and when she should have been questioning, oh, yeah, I'm in construction, she's like, oh, yeah, this is awesome because I see all these cool, flashy people, and I'm in the Copacabana, and we don't really see if she has friends before she's a mob wife, mm-hmm. but she has this flashy lifestyle, and before she really knows, which she may even know before, we, we don't really jump into her mind until later, she may even know, yeah, this guy's a total mobster, but... She has a flashy lifestyle. She sees an out for living with her parents, and she's going to take it. So that's she that, has that's, a, that's in the ambiguity. And I of think everything. I think part of part of where you're coming into that is when the cops would shake down their place every now and then, and she would you invite them coffee? in. Do you want some coffee? You know, nice they would, about it. The cops would show up every now and then and shake down the place, and I, you know, other women would spit at their feet or yell and right. I'd invite them in. I'd offer them coffee. You know, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. See, that's, well, that's so, I mean, that's the thing with each film, not with every character, but with a lot of characters, you at least find that one shred of something redeemable, mm-hmm. even if like 90% of them is absolutely reprehensible. Like there's this really small seed of something where like, okay, I can see at one point this person might have been a totally good person, but they took a wrong turn. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I don't see any morally redeeming quality in Tommy DeVito, except for him. He's he's an asshole. He is just for a most of the that's why dick said, the entire film. That's why I said he starts. That's why I said it, most it of the is characters, a small not all of them. Yeah, I mean, it, and even Sonny has a redeeming quality because he genuinely cares about his family. Okay, Are we talking yeah, about Sonny Buns? God, not Sunny Buns, no. Sorry, I just wanted to say Sunny Buns. Yeah. Can we take a little break? Sure. Okay, let's do a little break. Anyway, as we were talking about Mortal Kombat, there's no, that no, no, reptile. No. Oh, sorry, no, sorry, no. sorry. I thought we were no. talking about Johnny Cage because Johnny's kind of an Italian oh, name. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. Oh. You know what I'm saying? All right, so we talked about the scene with the Steadicam tracking shot. That was awesome. The other um, camera technique that I loved is when Henry met with Jimmy Conway at the restaurant. After Henry kind of knew that he was going to have to rat everybody out. And everything has been blown out of proportion. Every, like, the, the People shit have been has killed. gotten real. Right. The, the dead couple in the pink Cadillac. Um, uh, what was his name? Was it Morris? The guy, the wig guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Maury. Yeah. Which, yeah, Maury, Maury, yeah. And they yeah. had that Layla. Uh, the Layla song playing yeah. in the pink Cadillac. Actually, one of, my, one of my favorite scenes 
I, I love the pink Cadillac scene where they're both dead inside of it, but also the the wig commercial because they got a guy to shoot and direct that who had um, directed a commercial similar to that one, oh, which that's is awesome. So like it's like it's so authentic though. And that, the wig oh, commercial, totally where he's just like where he's like jumping into the pool. Yeah, my wigs won't fall off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was kind of surprised. Which that guy's totally annoying. Maury. Oh God, yeah. To begin with. I'm not surprised though, because he, like, well, I mean, he, he keeps on pressing Jimmy like, hey, where's my money? money? Where's hey, my where's money? my money? Hey, where's my money? Yeah. It it almost seems like, in his mind, this dude's probably going to rat to somebody about it if he doesn't get his money. So if Might you're, well if you're putting, him, right? yeah, if you're putting yourself in Jimmy's mind, he's already killed these people who have been flashy about pulling off this heist when he specifically said, we don't got all this money. Spend don't anybody. spend the money. Yeah, Your wife's got scene. a fur coat. You have a pink Cadillac. What are you doing? Yeah, that scene in the bar, everybody comes in yeah. and he yells at that guy for the fur coat. And then he's like kind of relaxing. And then the next guy comes in with the Cadillac. And it's like, okay, this is really But it's good. in my mother's name. <sighs> yeah, he's... it's so, the, um, so they're at the restaurant and they've been this restaurant scene has like this has been a location for three or four times in the movie but this time it's a little bit different because jimmy is paranoid and he's He's got his glasses on even he's got his glasses yeah and he's sitting where he can see everybody walking in and they do this they they use this technique that uh hitchcock used well actually hitchcock invented for the birds uh or for vertigo i'm sorry and so they basically take the camera and they pull out as they're zooming in. <laughs> and The Shining did this. Um, and Ben is pulling out right now. Ow! And that's the sound he makes. Uh, <clears throat> but you use this to express, you know, different uh, mentalities. Whether it, I think in this scene it was uh, disarray, isolation kind of disorientation, um, you know, shit is getting real. and it's Yeah, well, that's the thing, because Jimmy is asking for the first time ever Henry Hill to go take part in somebody getting killed, because Henry Hill generally doesn't take part in that. He's never asked to, um, I guess you can say literally, kill a person or take part of it, to whack a person. Like, he's taken part in certain, you know, like intimidations, like when he first initially goes down to Florida when he serves his first stint. Right, right. Like, when they're going to feed the guy to the lions, and... Uh, his the the guy they're intimidating. His sister happens to work for the FBI. FBI. It's wow. a, it's it's intimidating. It's Bad not there. Yeah, it's not. We're gonna go whack a guy. It's right. we're gonna beat him until he, he does it, what yeah. we want him to do. Right. So it's it's just that specific scene you're talking about, Jimmy. It's suspicious because uh, you you get that perspective from the camera, but you also get the sense of okay. Um, Jimmy is saying, I need you to go back to Florida again where we ran into this trouble and we need you to kill a guy. Yeah. Which had never happened before. It comes, like, way out of the blue. Right. And the whole scene is narrated. Yeah. And I think that you you gather from the narration that Henry is sensing his own hit. Oh, absolutely. He's never going to come back. He even says, I'm never going to come back from this. Well, and, you know, he has that whole beautiful... Um, monologue where he's explaining that your murderers will always be smiling at you they will be giving you money you'll never expect that they will be killing you right 
And so, you know, and that is a scene that is before the scene with Jimmy and Karen when Jimmy gives Karen, you know, a stack of cash and he's saying it's going to be okay. Just walk down this alley for a while. Just walk down this alley. That's a parallel to Godfather, like with the funeral scene. Hey, there's this meeting. I guarantee your safety. You'll you'll know you'll know who the traitor is because he'll come to you personally. He'll come to you right after my death. Exactly. And he'll guarantee. Godfather even says you'll be safe. You'll you'll he'll guarantee your safety. So I re- I really like um, Don Corleone's reaction to Sonny's death, and I feel like it's a very alpha male. I mean, he cries. He's sad. Obviously, yeah. he has a, a a very appropriate reaction. But he says, "I don't want vengeance against my son, whether he oh, needs yeah. it or not." Yeah, the yeah, fact yeah. that he says it that's telling that's very interesting well that's the thing too I, and i think that links up with the scene later where uh don Vito is about to die he never wanted michael to be no. a part of the mob life and when he's crying i don't think he's just crying for sunny i think he's crying for michael because he realizes um with sunny gone i mean michael pretty much has to run the family now yeah, because right. nobody else can do it definitely yeah. not fredo no, Fredo. Oh, that we haven't even talked dash. about him. Fredo has We've to be not sent even to come Vegas. Back to, we haven't come back to Fredo at <laughs> oh, all, Fre- ever. Well, Fredo. No, actually, the, which is... Which I'm is, smart! Which is part I'm of smart! A, that's part of a great scene, too, because um, <laughs> Michael's talking about, you know, moving the whole family out to Vegas and buying a casino, and that's where uh, Mo Green, Mo Green comes in, right? introduced, and Fredo is his subordinate, and Michael is like, hey, Mo Green... Um, my family wants to buy you out. Mo Green's like, do you even know who I am? You guys are weak in New York. I've heard everything, and you can't buy me out. And Michael's just like, he's just sitting there, and he's relatively Stoic. Cold. I mean, yeah, he's stoic, completely yes. stoic. And then at that point, he's just like to Fredo, don't ever go against the family again. Mm-hmm. Which is a setup for the second film, where, unfortunately, Fredo does just that. You know, mm-hmm. And then, so uh, in the second film... It's been a while since I, I... I've seen the first Godfather and the second Godfather. Um, I haven't seen the third one, which... No one wants to see apparently, the third one. Uh, apparently... He, does Michael die right? at the end of the second one? At the end of the second one? No. Michael Corleone is a continuous In the second one, does Robert... Robert De Niro, De Niro plays, plays a young Vito. Young Vito. Okay, which is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. Which it's you don't... absolutely brilliant. Albert... Um, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro are... Like, obviously, pitted against each other, you know, in the cinema world, but... They were uh, never on screen together at, during in Godfather. And that's the thing, um, Robert and De Niro... They were never until Heat, I think it was. Yeah, Heat, and then Robert De Niro was considered for multiple roles in Godfather before mm-hmm. they started filming it. Um, it's interesting that Him he, playing the young Vito is absolute... I, and I know we're getting off the action. I mean, but... No, but it's no, okay. no, it's still, it, yeah, it's still part it's of relevant the song. It's relevant because it's... Yeah, it, 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 him playing the young Vito is absolutely perfect because he's so quiet all throughout. And it, it informs the older Vito's characterization, or at least the older... You know, Brando's characterization of Vito Corleone then is very, very well picked up by by young Robert De Niro, who just blows the movie away, is truly the best that character. Was, that was 74. It was. It was like two years after and the he, original Godfather. And he absolutely stole the film away from Al Pacino, in my, in my 
you know, watching of that. I, he stole the film with good reason because as a young Vito, you co- you completely believe that he is going to be something. Even mm-hmm. from the very time he's, I mean, from the very first time you see him, he's this quiet, thoughtful, he watches everything. He sees what people want and need from the very beginning and then turns it around and uses it against them. Yeah. And it Clemenza, kind of... in, then in that, in, in that role of, um, oh, who played that? Um, Clemenza? Yeah, Clemenza in oh, the... Oh, Batman. In, yeah, but who played it in, 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 the, in, the, in Godfather 2? Oh, I, I'm not He was sure. young. Uh, he was the guy who was in City Slickers and in... Um, oh, it crap. Was in Curly? No, he was no. He wasn't. That's no. He wasn't Curly. Curly was. Uh, he was also in uh, Lloyd, Lloyd. when Harry met Sally and uh, Billy Crystal. No, not Billy Crystal. Hey, you you named God, two Billy Crystal films. Ah, oh, yes, I did. Yes, but he was in both of those. Lloyd Bridges. No, not, Jesus Christ, Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> the Italian oh, Stallion. Who man. tried out for Godfather? Oh, who who oh, auditioned for Godfather? He did. He did. Talia Shire, Connie, was yeah. in Rocky, Rocky with Sylvester Stallone. So there you go. All right. There was a so. connection, people. I was I, I had that in the back Bruno of my mind. Bruno Kirby. Bruno Kirby is the actor's name who played the young Clemenza. All right. And and I thought he was perfect because he's like, no, this is my friend's house. We can go in here and take this carpet. It's all right. He wants us to have it. You know? do, you, do you think that uh, Godfather 2 is superior to Godfather Part 1? Uh, no. It's on best of list still, that, which is... No, best. it's not superior, it's, but what it is, it, if you don't watch them both, you are still only going to get half the story. Mm-hmm. You're going to get half the well, story. Well, I do, I do want to watch the second well, one. Well, no, here's, here's the thing. That's what's impressive about the Godfather saga. The third one is widely panned, but the first one and second one are on several best of lists. Absolutely, like all time mm-hmm. great films. Like, and I know that's a highly debated topic. Usually, usually any type of sequel is considered absolute garbage. Usually lesser, yeah, unless you consider much like. Lesser. Well, this is my personal opinion, but with like Star Wars, I thought with each film they kind of got better. And I'm talking about not Episode One through Three, but. Four through six, right? No, Empire Strikes Back is a better film than yes, yeah, you know, oh, yes, so. absolutely. But uh, no, uh, Godfather Two it, it gives you the setup for how the Corleone family came into being, and because it gives you that setup, it, I mean, it opens the very first scene in Godfather Two is a funeral for Vito Corleone's older brother. It, it and it, it's his mother is just absolutely heartbroken, and then comes. Back to this 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 Don, and, and basically says to him, "No, you can't. You can't do this. You can't kill my son. This simple boy. He's simple. He's. They're claiming that Vito is simple at that point, but he's not simple. He's quiet. He's introspective. He watches things. He learns very he's, well. If you're using the word simple, I mean, it can be taken more than one way. Absolutely. He's almost he's almost simple in a good way because." He, as far as morals go, is almost black and white. He's like, these are the things we can do. These are the things we can't do. And if we get this offer, we will refuse it because these are th- this offer is not within my moral code. So heroin, buy. Drug deals, buy. Um, you stay away from the kids. You stay away from the schools. 
I'm not going to have this. Right, exactly. I and mean, it carries all the way through. And it, 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 Vito Andolini was his name at that point. Before he, he got on the boat, he was thrown on the boat to America and then spent, I don't know how much time on, on the, you know, Staten Island or whatever it was where they came in. But, and then they said, oh, Vito Andolini from Corleone. Your name is now Vito Corleone. And it, mm-hmm. the, the legend was born at that point, right? So yeah. makes you wonder how many other people lost their names when they came to the United States. <laughs> I know, Which, I, I mean, even though, even though the what Godfather... What do you want your name to be? Pick a well, name. Well, no, that's, that's the thing. Even though uh, Godfather is fictional, I mean, that really did happen. It did happen. Oh, with yeah. people Absolutely. who came into Stanton Island, they would be meeting with these uh, immigration authorities who would then rename them and then... You know they're going to the mainland, and at that point, they're uh, pretty much their whole family is renamed from that point, yeah. based on what an immigration officer has to say, which is that's... very interesting. Well, that's what that's when when I watch a movie and I know for a fact that it's based on real events because you don't have to have any sort of like documented evidence that your film is based on real events to say. This movie is based on real events. At the beginning of Fargo, it says based on a true story. Totally not. Totally. You don't not. have to pay no. a fee. Don't really care. You don't have to no. research any documents. But you just Goodfellas, you know, Henry Hill, um, Robert De Niro was calling Henry Hill, like the real Henry Hill, quite a few times during Goodfellas to ask him what would I be doing, what would I be wearing, how would I be holding my cigarette. What would he do cigarette? when he had a cigarette? Yeah. And so Martin Scorsese insisted on, he tied every single tie on every single actor for every single scene because he needed it to be right, you know? Well, sure. Well, that makes sense, too, because he was even very methodical with the soundtrack because with certain scenes in certain years, um, he would not play anything that came after that certain year. Yeah. So he wanted it to be very, very, very authentic. I mean, with with the with the score or a soundtrack, whatever you want to consider it, um, I don't think there was anything that was you know. A, there might have been some original music, but for the most part, he used songs. From yeah, that right. I mean, it, it shows a passing yeah. of time. The way so, that uh, Godfather, which I really appreciated this. Um, I love the old school graphic of the spinning newspaper. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, George Lucas. Cool. Yeah, George Lucas. That's he did oh, that part. He, he, he oh, did that yeah. part. Um, he did that part, uh, and he highly encouraged Francis Ford Coppola to do this film too, just because uh, the film you mentioned, Jimmy, had kind of put the in the in the red. Yeah. So he's like, oh, God, "Hey, yeah. you should do this film yeah. for oh, yeah. lots of money." Yeah, well, well, especially well, when Michael goes to Sicily. And they do, you know, a, a year goes by, and, and they did the whole. They haven't the aged a lot, right. and so the movie viewer might not know this, but you know, so they use the spinning newspaper, and they use a lot of fade ins and fade outs, which you know uh, historically signify a passing of time. Right. And so by the time that Michael actually comes back, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, it feels like it's been about a year. Sure. That's cool. But. Um, so yeah, I love that. I feel like Goodfellas is. It, it feels like a more accurate portrayal. Maybe it's the narration. Maybe it's the anticlimactic ending. It doesn't <laughs> seem like a traditional Hollywood ending. Um, but so this is really weird. That is that uh, Godfather Part Two came out in 1974, 
two years after the first one, and then part three came out in 1990. Yeah, it was a huge jump. Which is insane. They wanted more money. They wanted more money. I'm sure largely due to the poor reception that it it got. And, you know, maybe to the fact that side by side, you know, they say Godfather part one and two, we don't know which one is better, and then 16 years later, the third one comes out, obviously that's kind of going to be mocked. Cash grab. Yeah, I mean, exactly. If, if if you make if you if if you have a series, I mean, these days with Hollywood, I mean, they're not even trying to mask cash grabs. But at that time, when you make a sequel that comes out 14 years later, I mean, that people is, are, are you're going trying to, to play off the name. Like critics and the viewing audience is probably going to hone in on that more than they would like a no. regular film that was even original that wasn't a sequel. And they have two. Pretty solid films if you're if you're considering Godfather one and two to have as a basis for uh, their criteria. So when Godfather three comes out and you're like, wow, this isn't good, they're gonna be extra pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna be extra pissed off. It's just like, well, I mean, even even with the Star Wars films, you know, um, Return of the Jedi was what 1983. Yeah, Return of the yeah. Jedi was 1983. And then you have episodes one through three. Uh, was episode one like 1999? Mm, I don't remember. I that don't remember exactly. either. But it was, you, even it even was if, about that. that that's yeah. the thing. You have these classic films, and you can even present a trilogy of films, and they're classic. And you come out with something even 20 years later, and you are possibly polluting. A saga. Okay, people we are going to come go up there. And, I know. I'm not. That, that's okay. what I'm. I'm just going to. I'm relating it back to God. I know. I know. Here's, I know. What I'm saying is, uh, what I'm saying is, people are, are going to look at it with very critical eyes and saying, you know what, with this one, it was absolutely unnecessary, and you're polluting the saga. Mm-hmm. The saga was already there, and you're not doing it justice. No, that's very true. That's very true. The, the, the first two. The first two Godfather films come as close to cinematically perfect for the story that they're trying to tell as you can get. I mean, it, it's they're they're beautifully filmed. The actors and actresses that they have for the films are absolutely perfect. They set a tone that is wonderful. I mean, come on, you you find you you want a brain you want a guy who who can portray a guy who will break legs. Luca Luca Brazzi is the character. Luca, oh, how did they just not nail that character? I know. Like all and, the characters and the very in introduction, are the, the very introduction of Luca at the wedding, you know? I mean, it's, <laughs> thank you, Don Corleone, for inviting me to and the... I mean, his he's practicing so the speech cute. outside, and, and <laughs> the whole day, he, Michael, who's that scary guy talking to himself? Well, that's Luca Brasi, and then he goes into the explanation of how, you know, the the made him an offer he couldn't refuse, you know, for the band leader. So, but but again, it's it's a it's it, perfect timing, perfect characters, perfect actors for this these these roles, and I really think that uh, and and where, where Goodfellas, in my opinion, falls short, and it's an unfor- it's unfortunate because. Uh, it, even though it's critically acclaimed, I mean, it it absolutely is listed in one of the best films, you know, as far as you know, uh, the, you know, best film lists go or whatever. I where I missed the boat, and and I hate to say this, but I 
cannot stand the Joe Pesci character. He's too over the top for my taste. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that it ends so abruptly in my mind. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not just even a a, a bad ending. It's just like an you abrupt hate that ending. he uh, ratted everybody out. No, and no, no. Him as I the... couldn't. Have, I couldn't have thought that it could have end, That couldn't have been any other way. Yeah. I think that it. The fact that he that it ends with that. Narration again, the narration I think over so the too. top, and and it's just he ends in suburbia where you know spaghetti and like he ketchup, should be shot you know? or really something. something. Or... There should be some well, sort of a wrap well, up. You know, that's the thing though. I mean, it's it's based on real life events. So as a director from Scorsese's point of view, okay, am I going to make this jive with this film that I'm making, or am I going to? make this reflect real life events. That's mm. the thing like with with Pesci's character That's a difficult choice. From, from what from what Henry Hill, like the actual Henry Hill said, um Tommy DeVito in Goodfellow is is ninety to ninety nine percent what the real character was, except that um the real Tommy was like a tall strapping guy with really? which obviously Joe Built. Pesci wasn't. Yeah, totally but, not. Yeah. Um like personality wise, that was Joe Pesci portrayed that guy very accurately like apparently this guy was just always totally off the handle and you really didn't know what he was going to do or say next right joe pesci nailed that and by the way one thing we haven't mentioned um i i know usually with the films that we do we do favorite scenes my favorite scene from goodfellas was the uh scene where they've whacked the guy in the bar yeah who's just come back and they go to uh, Tommy DeVito's mother's house, and she brings yes! up the painting. She brings she up the, brings the painting, which was mostly improvised. Oh my god, that's so great! That painting is perfect. Like it's so yeah. great. It's like uh, we got this dog oh, facing dude. one way, right. and the dog, dog facing, facing the other, other way. way. It's what like, the oh my hell god. was that all about? And then she makes him a full meal, and it's yeah, like a full meal. Oh, you look hungry. We gotta eat. You gotta eat. But no, and, then, and, and that's the thing too. It's like this. This happens in both films, but. Um, in Goodfellas and Godfather, it it seems like they both very accurately portray how the old world influences how um, both families, all families, act when they're in the United States. Like right, these right. guys show up on a whim; they've killed a guy, and there's a guy in their trunk, and the mom doesn't even <laughs> care. Guy. She's like, "Oh, hey, I'm gonna make you even dead at that point." He's not even dead. Yeah, he's not even dead. Yeah, almost just, dead guy. He's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a neat cleaver holster. He like, didn't shoulder holster. Yeah, it was like, yeah. Well, no, he says, "Mom, I gotta borrow this." Is that I gotta right? borrow. I, this. I gotta borrow. Which this. was also yeah. improvised. Like that's that's a beautiful thing about my two favorite scenes from Goodfellas, like the "Why do you think I'm funny?" scene, and then. The dinner scene with the mother with the paintings, right. like both of those were mostly improvised, improvised. Yeah. Um, and like the the painting itself, I think was apparently based on like a National Geographic. It article. was the the Nicholas Pelegi's mother painted that. Yeah, right. right. And yeah. then I I think uh, the mother is that Scorsese's mother. Yeah, that's, that's Scorsese's, Scorsese's mother. mother. Yeah, I know. which is awesome. Like, and and that's the parallel between both films. Like, because um, Sofia Coppola. Is is uh, is, uh, is, is uh, Michael's godson right? So in both films, uh, if if you read the backstories behind both of them, you had family casting through both of them, which parallels the stories that they set up with family being so important, sure. which is a really cool thing. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So the two things that I really liked uh, that we haven't mentioned yet, and there's not many, 
Um, one where Jimmy tells Henry when uh, Henry and Karen are kind of uh, butting heads. Jimmy's oh, the like, yeah. she'll she'll never divorce you. She'll kill you, but, but she'll, she'll never, never divorce you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. such a yeah. funny like telling of like where times are. You know, it's a like, very gangster line too. That I mean, is it's so, such a she won't divorce thing you because that would be that would look bad in the eyes of everybody. Yeah, else. that's going to be killing you. Family, they understand like, don't the divorce killing. me. Yeah. Just kill me. Yeah, and Samuel Jackson mixing drinks. That's trucks. Oh my god, what? Trucks yeah. and He's in. He's in. Oh he's, 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 he's a character. He's stacks. like making some Irish car like, bombs for just like half a second. He has like two lines in the entire film. I don't think he has any lines. No, he does. Does he? Yeah. No, he speaks. He has lines. Yeah, he has lines. But it's just like no, because yeah, there's the. Okay, so they have this heist, and uh, Stax, Samuel Jackson's character, is not very trustworthy, and apparently he's, like, leaving this truck with all the merchandise right. at his girlfriend's house, mm. so they come to his house, and he's, like, saying all this stuff, he's you putting were supposed his pants to get, on. You were supposed to get rid of the truck! Yeah, And then they're just right. like, bam, that's bam, right. bam, bam, and they kill him. Now go get your shine box. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just... I'm just <laughs> well, I, well, if you think about it... Uh, Chronologically, in 1990, Samuel L. Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson wouldn't have been established as a major actor by oh, that no. point. No. Oh, no, no, he was, no. He was, he was about on, to break. Um, oh, yeah. His first acting role, I discovered this uh, totally by accident, but there was a PBS show called Ghost Writer. Oh! I and remember he that. Jamal's dad. Oh! There was, like, one token black guy... <laughs> And his his grandma his grandma that he stayed with right, was a, right. male, a mail carrier, oh, and there was one episode right. that he was Jamal's dad. Oh wow! And he was like Jamal, get down here! <laughs> and then that was it. That was exactly <laughs> Samuel Jackson. We're on the yeah. star in every single fucking film released after that point, and it yeah. was great. Yeah. It's almost as stereotypical as like any movie that Bernie Mac's in. He's got to say. What the hell's wrong with you kids? <laughs> Everything that he does, he's got to say that. God. So, oh, man. <laughs> well, do you have anything else to say about either one? And oh, no. Hey, you know what? No, I know. But the guy, the, I, 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 again, I, it's obvious where I lean on this. I, I prefer The Godfather over Goodfellas. And, and it's more, I think, for me, it's, um, I like the storytelling better in Godfather. And, and, Godfather is one of my one of those films. It's kind of like with uh, I don't know Shawshank Redemption or any other film that gets overplayed on TV. If it's on, I have to stop and watch it. Always. If it's on somewhere, I have to stop and watch it. I might mm-hmm. even record it just because I want to stop and watch it. You mm-hmm. know, and it doesn't even matter. I could start in the middle. I could start towards the end. I could start wherever. I'm going to enjoy watching it. At that point, because I know what's come before, I know what's going to come after, um, and I think that I think that it's it's I don't know it's you're hard pre- I'm hard pressed to even think of other films that I could do that with, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but again, it, it's it's one of my guilty pleasures to do that. So, Benjamin, you know. I don't know, like like if uh, somebody put a gun to my head and said, "Hey, you're going to swim with the fishes," you got to pick between Godfather and Goodfellas. I really don't know if I could make a choice because even though you have the mob slash mafioso background with both films, 
they're still different in their own ways. You know, Godfather, to me, is more literary in the way they develop the characters. Um, it's it's slower to me in a good way. You know, they have three hours to work with, and the characters are fully fleshed out. With Goodfellas, even though it's still at, you know, two and a half hours plus, it's still more quick hit, jump cuts, you know, high energy the whole way throughout, I would be hard-pressed to make a decisive pick between the two because, to me, they're so different. Um, what reflected, to me, with both films is probably more of, like, the family element and how um, complicated it is. You know, we have two similar characters between Polly and uh, the Don Vito Corleone, who's like, you know, I, I don't want this contemporary influence of drugs to influence our family and they're trying to look out for everybody but at a certain point they will turn their backs on uh, people who are in their family who aren't doing what they're supposed to do so for me it with 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 both films who which are obviously in the later sorry which are in the film canon um you can you can talk about them. We could probably make a nine hour podcast and almost truly, not truly. not add anything to what has already been said. So, for me, I just enjoy them both for what they are. Mm -hmm. uh, if we touch on like past episodes that we did, these are both films that I've watched where I want to go and read both of the books that yeah, were like the source truly. material because I I know that I own. Um, the Godfather book somewhere because I bought it from Goodwill as a paperback. I don't own uh, Wise, Guy. Wise Guy, which was the book that Nicholas later Pelagi. became whatever that became Goodfellas. Because whether you consider them classics or not, these are both films where you start watching them and they pretty much throw you into the life. They throw you into uh, at least with Godfather, they throw you into the old world. With Goodfellas, they throw you into a gangster mentality where anything can happen at any time. And in a good way, both films keep you off balance. They keep you guessing and comparing, you know, a Godfather 1972 and Goodfellas 1992, what's coming out now. Uh, if there's a gangster influence, you know, we've, we've had what, like public enemies with uh, Johnny Depp? Not really all that great compared to what we're discussing right now. I mean, there's obviously been a standard set with Goodfellas and Godfather, and I really appreciate the fact that these movies even exist with characters who are unsavory characters who are sometimes portrayed to be irredeemable, who have that one kernel of good. And I think that one kernel of good, no matter what character we're discussing, is probably what draws us in because we're thinking to ourselves... Uh, these films are unpredictable. Are they going to do something good? Are the is this is this mob boss going to order somebody to be killed, uh, or are they going to prison? We don't know. Somebody could be arrested at any time. Yeah. Somebody could be killed at any time. And with with both of these films, with the way the characters are portrayed, with the uh, the way there's close attention to atmosphere. Um, we just don't know what's happening next. And that's what really draws me to any film that's great and draws me back for repeated views. 
I know early we did a segment where we did short reviews, and I I was talking about VHS. Um, I'm sorry, but the films we're talking about now piss all over films like that. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry, no, yeah, of course. It, it you, you it's interesting you brought it in a, in a comparison and and this I know we're wrapping up but I, I have to bring this up one of the things that's interesting about Godfather the story of Godfather versus the story of Goodfellas in Godfather you never really got a sense that anyone was ever afraid of going to jail pretty mm-hmm. much no one was ever afraid of that whereas in Goodfellas that was a legitimate reality for them sure. they could go to jail from the very beginning. When the kid gets picked up for selling cigarettes out of the back of his car. When he, got pinched, yelling, he got pinched. He broke his cherry. He broke his cherry, right? So and from the very beginning, the, the cops were not as solidly on the gangster side in Goodfellas mm-hmm. as they were in The Godfather. You had to be more worried about getting whacked in The Godfather than you did about going to jail. Whereas it was a legitimately equal fear, I think, in The Goodfellas. And... We didn't touch on this, but uh, Jimmy DeVito's death. When he gets offed at the end, he thinks he's going to get made. And what he gets happens? a bullet in the back of the head. He gets a bullet mm-hmm. in the back of the head. And they even explain it further. It wasn't just a, a, a hit that got put on him. They shot him in the face so his mother can't see him with an open cast. Yeah. And in real life, intentionally. And in real life, they—I don't think they ever really discovered him, like his body. No, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't ever discover his body. They so. didn't. And I think that's the main difference between these two films is that Goodfellas is such a cautionary tale. I mean, there's certainly parts in the film when you might walk away and think, "Oh my God, what a life!" Like the tracking shot that we discussed, but. Right. Um, I guess I'll jump in here. Between these two films, um, I I prefer Goodfellas. I'm a huge, huge, huge Ray Liotta fan. Um, anything from Narc to Goodfellas to Blow. I actually met Ray Liotta at Leaves and Beans in Peoria Heights. No kidding! I, I worked at Leaves and Beans what? Coffee Shop for like two and a half years. And for about 15 years, he dated a girl that lived in Peoria. No shit. So during the holidays, you could see Ray Liotta in Peoria. Because when was this? Four years ago. No. Oh, no. No, no. Oh. I swear to God, man. He walked into my coffee shop and I thought, God, this guy looks so much like Ray Liotta. Gave me goosebumps. I served this. Sh- I made the shit out of his coffee. Um... He had super flushed cheeks. I thought this guy is a little bit drunk. Um, he didn't tip me anything. I didn't even really try to make conversation with him. I wasn't like, oh my God, I love your stuff. Because I, I just thought, I bet everybody tells him yeah, that he looks like Ray Liotta. On him, right? So I gave him his coffee and he walked away. And my the owner came down who was like a total like power-hungry cougar female type. <laughs> and she's like, was that Ray Liotta? Did he come in here again and I missed it? And I was like, that was seriously Ray Liotta? And she's like, yeah, look. And he, like, drove off in an Audi. Um, didn't Which, actually, that's, that's... An Audi is kind of humble for somebody who probably has a bankroll that he does. Yeah. Depending on the I don't Audi. Know. I don't it, it depends, know. He like, probably doesn't have a it, huge bankroll. I mean, well, he's, he, I mean, he's a working on, actor, it depends but on what he's he did not with like his, a... It depends on what he did with his money. He like, stays out of the spotlight. I was going to say well, that. With an so Audi, it's hard to say what he does with his money. Well, no, with an Audi, like, their top-line car, which is probably like an R8, is... 80 what, grand. 80 grand? Yeah, yeah That's maybe. probably not a whole lot. So if he was driving, like, 
something along the lines of an A8 or an A6. I mean, it also might have been a rental yeah. for all intents and purposes. He so probably he he really knows. Well, with Ray Liotta, I mean... He probably... It he was can, probably like a high-end rental from Hertz. No, he can... <laughs> I mean, unless unless he was like an NBA star like Alan Iverson who blew his money, I mean, he could probably still, based off of the movies he's been in in the past, make a decent amount of money from royalties and still maintain a, a decent lifestyle beyond yeah. what we have. Yeah. I have seen almost all of his films, so I kind of feel like, oh, yeah, that's that's Ray. I like it. But, hey, I mean, Ray, I, I'm going to give you some time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like Goodfellas is a more accurate portrayal. I feel like it's a more personal... I feel like it's a more complete tale. You know, it's a long movie the way that Godfather is, but it's a complete... Um, story. Uh, I, I just like it better. So, next time. Next time. What is next time? What is next How time? How about a James Bond episode? Oh. As do his previous. Yes, yes. If it's all James Bond movies, I am going to be totally out of my element. I'm just throwing it out there because I haven't seen most of them. All it might through. not be. I'm not telling you to go out and watch 28 James Bond movies, but I read recently. I've seen them all. I haven't. Actually, Stu just said he has seen them all. Like Northwoods. <sighs> nice. James no. is not there. I've seen them all. Oh, yes. We'll see who Even can the horrible form Timothy more Dalton sentences was. using only James Bond films. Octopussy something something. Oh. Living Daylights. View to Kill was the worst. That was Timothy Dalton and a lizard. <laughs> and that shit sucked. Like, I could, I could totally do an all-out Star Wars episode, but if you're like a James Bond episode, including all He's of them, I'm just... need a couple of months. He'll need a couple of months. Okay, you're going well, to need to give me a lot of Yeah, uh, no, could, that's okay. fine. I need to do research before the Star Wars, hey, wait. so we'll, we'll wait before the James Bond. What about Bond? the Movies We Absolutely Hate episode? No, we can't get those. We can't go there quite yet. If we'll, you have a comment... Maybe comment? Oh, yeah, comment. If you have a thought, thought it. <laughs> All right, well... Oh, the thoughts you'll think and thinks you'll thought. I know. Oh, All right, well... With me and you'll be some, some, some imagination. By the way, <gasps> premise... We could do the two... Oh, the two chocolate factories. We could do Ooh, the, the original... The fast and the good one. <sighs> I like that. We could do that. By the way, I love that because there's also a tie-in with Primus... Who just recorded... Recorded? Oh, Charlie it's so Sir- wicked, too. Bam! I'm out of here! <laughs> it is so creepy. Have you actually heard it? Uh, I've listened to samples of it. Oh, I heard the first four tracks off of it. My my son's best friend brought it over, and he was like, I know you like Primus, Mr. Randolph. you got to listen to this. And he puts it in, and I'm like... Famous last words. Sign-off number one. I'm Jimmy Cheese. I can't. I just can't. Stuart, do it. <laughs> do it! <laughs> I can't. I can't. No. No. You don't understand. I'm I'm German-Irish. It'll never Stuart happen. Stuart this, uh, this is Benny Testosterone. <laughs> Stuart, we need a gangster name from you, buddy. Oh, jeez. Beef stew. <laughs> 
We got beef stew over Stuart here. Alfredo. No, we no. If you're gonna go there, we'll go with, with we'll go with the name my grandfather used to call me. My great grandfather. He called me Stewie. Stewie hats. Stewie hats. We That's got, right. We got, we got Stewie hats over here. No, we got Stewie hats. That's right, we you got, bastards. We got Stewie over here, you fucking rap bastards. Punch you in the fucking throat, boy. And see the throat make you swim I'll little cut you from the navel all the way up to your eyeballs. And Ben Cottonballs. I thought it was Benny Testosterone. Yes, you are Benny, you are Benny Stray Cat. Benny Beer Nuts. All right. <laughs> That's it.